Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Mossap here for the Fightful.com podcast, September 8th edition, with a very special guest who is going to be our new Thursday co-host. I'm going to say this. We aggressively pursued this guy. Aggressively. It is none other than former UFC fighter, current PWG Evolve. He's wrestling everywhere, you guys. You got to check him out. High praise this guy has gotten from Everyone within the wrestling industry. Matt Riddle. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, man. It's good to be a part of the show now. Yeah, we when we started Fightful.com, we wanted to really go after that crossover audience. And I don't know that there are many people that embody that more than you. Now, let's, let's not be coy. You've had to have heard the praise that you've gotten for how quickly you have adapted to pro wrestling, Matt. I have. I've heard people compare me to Kurt Angle, and they compare me to other greats that have picked it up quickly. And, uh, yeah, you know, I try not to let it get to my head. You know, I try to just stay as hungry as the next guy. And uh, I I think the only thing that separates me from the pack is I just bring something that's extremely different than everybody else. And I think that's what makes me shine a little more than a lot of the other guys. Because if you look at what some of these other guys are doing, they're doing double front flips to the outside of the ring. They're, they're doing crazy things. And I'm not doing anything crazy, but I'm still making that connection, you know? Do you think that more MMA fighters that get in, would get into it would have that same success? You did it at a much earlier age than someone like Shayna Baszler, who I also thought has adapted very well, but she's a little older. Do you think more MMA fighters could do that? Because we don't really see that a lot. You know, I'll be honest. Most of the MMA fighters, some of them have personalities. Like I've seen like Tom Lawler, and, you know, and he likes professional wrestling as well. And I've seen a couple others, even like a Conor McGregor, you know. But you probably realize this. Most mixed martial artists or even pro boxers or Muay Thai fighters, it's not that they don't have a personality. It's just that their personality is pretty strong. They're usually more quiet, keep to themselves, and, you know, they're intense people. You know, so to, you you know, granted, I still have that kind of personality, but you still need that personality where you can still connect to the fans and have that emotional connection. And that's the biggest thing, being able to work with people and have that connection and being personable. And I think that's so. I think that would be the hard part for a lot of mixed martial artists because the best part about fighting is you don't have to be personal. You don't have to be anything. You can be yourself and just win. Just beat people up. Now you've had a unique. It's it's so interesting. Your your the way you got into the UFC, the way you got into pro wrestling. It's all really interesting. 
Is it true that you only had one amateur fight before going to the UFC in the Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, I had one amateur fight, fought at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. I, I don't remember the guy's name. I bet I could find it on SureDog, but, you know, I went out there, creamed him, and then tried out for the Ultimate Fighter a couple of weeks later, and I did lie and say I was 1-0 <laughs> professional, but at the time, MMA was so new, there was, like, no sure dog to really check everybody's record. There wasn't that many commissions. So they kind of took my word for it. And then, you know, I got on, broke that dude's jaw damn similar, found out I wasn't really a pro fighter. It was too late, and I was in like <laughs> So that, that knockout is one of the most iconic knockouts in Ultimate Fighter history. And it was, it was kind of a freaking terrifying knockout, honestly. How did you feel – when that happened? Uh, you know, when it, when it first happened, of course, I was excited. You know, I finished the fight by knockout. You know, I'm more of a jiu-jitsu wrestler guy, so I was excited about that. But then, like, when he didn't wake up for, like, five minutes, I started to get a little worried. And then when he woke up screaming, you know, at least when he woke up, I knew he was alive. And then yeah. he woke up screaming, I was kind of concerned, but they gave him morphine, he calmed down. And then he found out his jaw was broken in three spots and stuff like that. There was some really underrated talent that year. Uh, Luke Zakrich was really good, underrated guy who got eliminated in the first round. Uh, Gerald Harris as well went on to have a good career. Uh, you know, so you were in the UFC. You had your first pro fight in the UFC. You don't see that a lot anymore these days. I mean, well, we see it this Saturday with CM Punk. But So by all means, you were in the UFC after – what two fights period yeah but including the ultimate fighter or two or three fights rather yeah i mean i think i had two fights on the ultimate fighter and one fight you know amateur before that so three fights before i fought on live television for the ufc in the palms was that intimidating for you or were you just like i'm ready i'm ready to do this you know to me, when I wrestled in high school and college, I felt like I put a lot of pressure on myself for no reason. And then when I decided to do jujitsu and MMA, I like decided to put no pressure on myself. I like, go, oh, the worst thing that happens is I lose or get knocked out or my arm broken, whatever. And just having that attitude, I never felt stressed or pressure again. Like even when I wrestled, they're like, "Oh, you're wrestling this guy in front of these people. Triple H is here. William Regal's here. You know, blah 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 blah. You got to be on your best behavior. This and that. Don't get me wrong. I'm on my best behavior. I do my job great, but I I don't stress it. I don't worry about it because I'm like the worst thing that happens is like I trip on my way out to the ring or I get knocked out in ten seconds or I botch a spot. You know, like. There's only so many things that can happen that are that terrible. And you can always cover it up, and they understand because they've been in the same situation before and they've made mistakes. So you started off 5-1 and one in the UFC. That would, like I said, somebody who didn't have really much of an MMA career before that, that's really unheard of. There's a picture that has circulated of you, which I'm sure you've seen from years before UFC, and it shows you standing atop a podium and John Jones is sitting right next to you. So, I mean, yep. you all did you all encounter each other, obviously, before UFC? Yeah, actually, uh, we both wrestled in New York. We both wrestled in the state of New York. And uh, earlier that year, we wrestled in a tournament called Windsor. It was the Christmas tournament that I won, and he actually took 
third in as well. And then we ran into each other at States where he ended up taking third and I ended up winning again. And uh, yeah, it, it's funny. We always get along great. We never liked the guy who took second, John Jack Sullivan. We were never a big fan of that guy. <laughs> But we always got along great. We would drill with each other, talk to each other, all that stuff. And then I was already in the UFC fighting, training, doing my thing. And all of a sudden, I see this dude wearing a Union Endicott, like, warm-up jacket. And I was like, that's from New York, you know? Like, I remember seeing that jacket in high school. And then when he turned around, I'm like, is that John Jones? And then, of course, it was uh, his fight against uh, Stephen Bonner. I believe that was his first, like, big televised fight. And... He lit the world on fire that night. He hit him. Oh, yeah. German suplexes. Crazy suplexes. He really put his name on the Mac, showcasing his skills and having an exciting style in fighting. So, Any indication back then that he was much of a partier? Uh, not, not for me. I'll be honest. I didn't hang out with John Jones like that. You know, we, we didn't really party that much. I didn't hang out with him outside of competition too much. But to be honest, no, I never saw any side of that because I, I know it's like his family's pretty religious. All of his brothers are professional athletes, you know. So, you know, me, I, I had I didn't think anything of it. I had no idea. So you, you had a not a rather successful, a really successful UFC career. And one of my favorite moments in it, I've, I've told you i've mentioned it on twitter i think your post ufc 149 press conference thing was the best thing about the goddamn show to be honest with you because that show isn't fondly looked back on to say the least but that promo is and uh within within a few months you were fighting in england yeah you know well that that was the point you know at, at the time I wanted to fight, get some English fighters because at the time they had guys like John McGuire, Dan Hardy, Che Mills, John Hathaway, people you don't hear about in today's mixed martial arts world, but at the time were ranked in like the top 10 in the welterweight division. So Yeah, and you never, did, you never did get that fight with Hardy, but I see you going back and forth with him on Twitter. And I have to ask you, uh, were, were you working Dan Hardy? Of course, of course I'm working Dan Hardy, you know? Uh, and same thing with the Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor said something about pro wrestling, working all the wrestlers. And then I was like, I was talking to Blue Meanie, Brian, and he was like, hey, you should get on that too, you know? So I was like, all right. So I wrote something calling him and Dan Hardy a mutt. And then, you know, of course, a bunch of haters, you know, keyboard warriors came at me. MMA junkie, you know, threw it up in an interview. You know, it, it, the thing is, some people get all bent out of shape about it, and they're supposed to. That's why we do stuff like that. But for us, as long as people are talking and there's discussion and the topic of that discussion, we're doing our jobs, you know? Sure. And Dan, he fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Of course Man, he that did. dude bought it. Of course he did. Probably until his girlfriend or his wife told him to knock it off and get off his phone. You know? <laughs> so, and to me, and, you know, I'm actually wrestling in England uh, the 18th or 19th of December. And I was telling Dan, I was like, I'll be in England, bro. Come find me. You know, I'll be in your country, you know. So, you know, I, oh. but, you know, if he showed up, you know what? I'd probably smile, laugh, nothing would happen. Or maybe he would attack me. I, I don't know. Pretty so, so. 
that, that was a great exchange I saw. Like he was criticizing you for being a pro wrestler now, and he had said that you were a loser. And in, in my mind, I was like, "Ugh, he probably doesn't know your career path right now. Like he probably doesn't realize you're one of the most sought out independent wrestlers in the world at this point." He's probably doesn't realize that he's kind of a one trick pony, and I can, you know. I- I'm not going to toot my horn, but, you know, there's things that I want. And if I want it really bad, I get it. And I've always wanted to be a pro wrestler, and I always wanted to be in the UFC. I always wanted to be in high times. There's certain things I've always wanted to be and get to or, or reach a goal. And so far, I'm, I'm doing well. Do you think that if your UFC release would have happened in 2016 instead of 2013 or 14, I believe it's 2013, it would have been received different because just in the past three years, marijuana has been embraced more and more with each passing day. You know, honestly, I don't think it would have made a difference time period. I don't think nothing's really changed since 2012 and 2016 other than they banned TRT and most pharmaceutical drugs from in competition. And they up the levels of metabolites that can be in your system in competition. That, that's the only thing that's really changed. So, to be honest, I wouldn't have failed a drug test in 2016 because I failed for 15 nanograms and today it's 150. On top of that, I think the only difference now is I would have been fighting from 2012 to 2016. And I'd have a lot more wins and a lot more credentials, you know. So, by now, I think they wouldn't fire me. When they fired me, granted, I was on a four-fight win streak. But I wasn't a John Jones, you know, I wasn't a Dan Hardy. I wasn't necessarily packing an arena fool. Because I would just I, I literally started on TV, then had to fight my way back to TV. I was finally getting fight of the nights, submission of the nights. I was fighting on TV consistently, and then they fired. So four even four more years of where I was at when I got fired, yeah, they wouldn't have been able to do what they did to me. But when they did it, it was the best chance they had of firing me and burying me and getting rid of me completely. Because if they wouldn't have fired me, I probably would be the welterweight champion of the world. And Yeah, you were on a hot streak. That either. You know, if you actually look at the welterweight division, look how big the guys are, look how big I am, and look at just how I got so good in pro wrestling as quick as I did, and look at how good I got at mixed martial arts as quick as I did, I would right now probably be the welterweight champion of the world. That's another thing I wanted to ask. I mean, what are, what is your weight at right now? Right now, I hang out. I'm just a healthy 210. Man, and that's – healthy. And I, it's I crazy to think – and you're you're in great shape. Dave Meltzer was actually touting how ridiculous of, of, of conditioning that you have at 210. You made 170, and you made it – I don't think you missed weight once, did you? I never missed weight. You know – I pride myself on a couple of things. When it comes to my job, I'm a professional. You know, I always showed up. I always made weight. I did everything. And the only time I ever failed a test or anything was when I took a fight on a week's notice or the last one, which, to be honest, I don't really think I failed. I think that was kind of some rid of me because they didn't want to deal with me. So you left. You went to Titan FC. I remember that fight. I actually interviewed you for that fight. And I brought up pro wrestling. And this was before there was any talk, any mention, anything of that nature. I was just like, you know, there was a lot of crossover at that point. You had the Bellator, TNA, Spike TV thing. A lot of people jumping back and forth. Brock Lesnar mm-hmm. was doing his thing. And I, and I kind of mentioned it to you just to get 
a quote just to feel it out. And you went back and you were, you sounded all too excited about pro wrestling. And that kind of surprised me. I don't know why it surprised me, but it did. So you've had this in your mind for a long time. I had it in my mind before I even signed with Titan or decided to fight for Titan. Honestly, the, the big thing I wanted to do, like, I wanted to win a title belt, like in MMA. I wanted to either win the Titan belt or the Bellator belt or whatever. And then I wanted to take that right over to pro wrestling because then I can at least bring a belt from MMA over as well with my credentials. You know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get that. Plus, honestly, I was just so tired of crew. Uh, and I just, you know, I just needed to give pro wrestling a try. I just needed to, and I'm glad I did. You had your fair share of injuries in MMA, but I, from what I understand, you haven't had to pull out of any, if many, pro wrestling bookings. What do you attribute that to? Not cutting weight. You know, when uh, when I went to the Ultimate Fighter, I was 185. I fought 185, and I wanted to stay at 185. They, the UFC really didn't give me an option, and I started to cut weight. And literally, the first fight I was supposed to cut weight, I was supposed to fight Ryan Thomas. And I ended up tearing my meniscus training for that fight, probably because I was too dehydrated, rolling hard, and I tore my meniscus, you know. And then, you know, over the years, I, you know, broke a hand or tore a ligament, usually in the fights. But what would happen is I would, like, slightly tear something in the fight, not feel it, go back to train for another fight, tear it, and then no insurance would cover it, and then I'd be out for a little bit because I'd have to make money and pay for my injuries. So I know that throughout that period, you you were in and out of a couple of organizations. Bellator was one of them, but you didn't actually get to fight for them. Uh, was there was there a reason that you uh, you and Bellator couldn't make that happen? I know there was an injury, but I also know there was some other stuff involved, but I just couldn't get it out of you at the time. Yes, that other stuff is something I still legally can't talk about, or <laughs> I would love to, and of course – another time possibly but at, at this moment I still can't talk about that the the big thing is I can talk about is the Bellator released me free of charge I just wasn't allowed to say anything about my release or the conditions of my release or anything like that you know so they had you under a non-disclosure pretty much but I'm pretty sure, like, if you ask Sam Kaplan or whatever, you could probably get his two cents on the situation. And I can tell you if he's telling the truth or not. Interesting. So I got to ask you, will you ever fight again? You know, I've actually been offered a couple fights recently, this, that, and the other thing. And they're tempting. You know, like, it's tempting when somebody, like, waves, like, $10,000 in front of your face for one night's work. But then I think about all the days I had to train up into a fight. And then I'll have to cancel all my wrestling bookings because if I get hurt wrestling before a fight, that's really not fair to the MMA promotion, you know. So I'd probably do that. Plus, I want to focus on a fight. So to be completely honest, probably not. Like, it's really – even when I was in the UFC, I was winning fights, doing great. I was training hard, doing my thing. But I'll be honest, the only reason I did it was because, one, I love fighting, and, two, it was a really easy job. Like, I only worked three times a year, and I got paid to fight, and I got paid really good money. But, like, the things I hated about fighting, and it sounds weird, is 
I hated beating people. I hated beating somebody and then watching them get paid half as much as me at least. You know, they're going to get paid less money now. You know, maybe they have something going on at home and that's going to fuck everything up. And then, you know, on top of it, they might lose their job because maybe I dominated them or maybe I took them down. Well, however, you know how the UFC is. If you get dominated, they just fire you. So it's You're like, not the only person to mention that. George St. Pierre actually recently just, said much of the same thing. It's, it's, and honestly, that's, I felt bad. It's like, and then like you hear people talk crap about people and this and the other thing. One of the mo- things I love most about professional wrestling is like, you don't have to worry about that. Like, if, it doesn't matter if I win or lose a wrestling match. Of how we both wrestled and how we put it together and how good it looks and how we react and make the crowd react to us. There, there's a lot more of that. Like, even, even as I mentioned, you had to pull out of some fights with injuries. There, there might be times you go into a wrestling match with an injury, but the difference is you're working with somebody. You can work around that. They can help you. The, if, if Clements, and he knows that you tweaked your knee last week, he's not going to work with you. He's going to go after that. So, I mean, that, that is something that a lot of people don't often consider. I mean, and, that, and that's something – do you still train MMA? I do. I honestly, I actually rarely do professional wrestling training, and most of the time, I do jujitsu a couple times a week, and I spar a couple times a week, and I, you know, of course, I lift and do that stuff. But I might train professional wrestling, like at a gym at a wrestling school, maybe like, maybe once or twice every couple weeks, just because I'm so busy traveling, wrestling every weekend, and then teaching jujitsu and MMA, and then I got the three kids, and you know, so on and so forth. I know that you spent some time at the Monster Factory. What was that like? It was good. And when I first, now don't get me wrong, when I first started doing professional wrestling, all I did was pro wrestling. I was at the Monster Factory four days, five days a week, every day from like 7 o'clock at night till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, you know? I was there every day. But uh, the Monster Factory was great. It was good. You know, they got great trainers and, uh, it's a really good place to, you know, just, you know, get the basics down, get, get just, like, focus too much on big things. And I feel like their school really focuses on getting you to where you want to be, you know? Like, my goal was to possibly wrestle in the WWE, if not wrestle in Japan and everywhere else, you know? So I'm doing that, you know? Some people's goal is just to go to Ring of Honor. Some people's goal is just to go to CZW, you know? So it all it all depends on what your goal is, you know? And I think they help you really get out there. I know Danny Cage runs a really tight ship over there, too, like, he, I, I've seen, yeah, I've subscribed to that Monster Factory network he has, and I see the training, and it's, it's, it can be pretty brutal. But they also book wrestlers too, and they give you an opportunity to perform. Yeah. So what's that? I know you're. Are you still the Monster Factory heavyweight champion? Oh you no, they, they, I didn't lose it. They stripped me of the belt. So, oh, you know how that goes. Yeah, I get stripped of titles all the time, Matt time it happens to i'm just throwing my phone on the charger if you're wondering why i'm moving all oh that's fine that's fine so i had heard from multiple people earlier this year that you had that wdb was interested in you also i heard that you blew the tryout out of the water that you impressed a lot of people 
What was that tryout process like? And did you get any feedback from the company? Yeah, the, the tryout, the tryout was good. You know, got really good feedback from the company. It's actually how I ended up working with Evolve. Uh, had the tryout over the summer, went extremely well. You know, they did a background check. Everything came back good, except for the whole Mary Jane situation. From you know, <laughs> but everybody knew that. He didn't have to do a background check on me to know that I failed a couple of drug tests. So you know, they brought that up, and they're like, "If you no, know, if anything, that that would be an issue." Blah blah blah. Okay, a couple months go by. They're like, "Hey, everything's great. You're good to go." look, you know, it looks good, you know, and I'm like, sweet, you know, be expecting to do medicals and this and the other thing. So I was just waiting and waiting. I'm just training, doing monster factory shows. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to, you know, hit up ring of honor because I, I trained there from time to time with a couple of my buddies, uh, Damian Punisher Martinez, who uh, wrestles for ring of honor now. And Great Q-T Marshall. So, so, I was working, you know, I would go over there, work with them, and I talked to Hunter and a couple other people, and nothing was set in stone, but, you know, we were talking about possibly me working at Ring of Honor, you know, and, uh, you know, Damien, you know, my buddy Martinez was like, hey, you know, you should probably, and QT were like, hey, you should probably ask the WWE if this is okay, because you don't want to jeopardize your shot with them, and then, you know, of course, I agreed, so I called up Canyon, or emailed Canyon, and I was like, hey, what would you think about me working for Ring of Honor? I wouldn't sign anything because I know we're still talking. And, you know, you know, what do you think? And he uh, he suggested, hey, it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be a deal breaker. But have you suggested thought about working for Evolve? And he introduced me to Gabe. Me and Gabe started talking. And that was like last October. And I debuted, I think, late October or early November last year. And it's uh, been a wrap. I've been working with Evolve. And. I've been talking to the E back and forth, and uh, Grant, like I saw William Regal this weekend at PWG. I see him all the time, but at the time, like Canyon told me, they're gonna take a pass on me. After they told me yes and everything, they passed on me for now due to my past. Just the marijuana tests. Well, you got to realize this is also what they're telling me. It, maybe they don't like my face. Maybe they don't like the way I wrestle. <laughs> Maybe I'm not built good enough. Well, the, there was a lot that was made of some comments that you made in jest in, in an interview. And Dana White brought those up. And, I mean, if you ever heard that interview in jest, it was not a serious comment. And it's like if you look at a transcript of anything, it could be misconstrued. But do, was that one of the things or was it just the test, you think? I think I think it was it was I don't even think it was the test per se. I think it was my stance on the situation. Sure. Me being and, like I don't think basically me being like I think medical marijuana is a good thing. I think people should be prescribed medical marijuana. I think sure. pharmaceutical drugs are bad and steroids are bad and alcohol is bad and all these things poison you and kill you. And the one plant that doesn't is banned and they won't let you use it medically or recreationally. And I think it would be, a, I think it would be a great benefit, especially under their wellness policy where these guys aren't able to medicate themselves with painkillers as they probably shouldn't be able to, but marijuana rather safe, especially in comparison. 
You're not going to see – I don't, can't remember any marijuana-related deaths in pro wrestling. So I think – do you think yeah. they'll ever soften their stance? Of course, just 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 like you said, it, it takes time and it's unfortunate. But like, just like when I was in the UFC, when I was fighting the UFC, when I got fired, TRT was legal. You were allowed to take oxycotton and like Vicodin and hydrocodone before fights if you had a doctor's note, Adderall, you know, whatever. If you were prescribed it, you could take it. And marijuana, they tested for fifteen metabolites, metabolites, whatever. Now they test for 150, TRT's banned, all those pharmaceutical drugs are banned in competition. Out of competition, of course, you can use medication, but not in competition anymore. And the rules have changed drastically just in the four years I've been gone. And literally, they changed most of those rules about four months after they fired me because I talked to Mark Ratner, the guy who's in charge of most of the commissions. And I wouldn't say in charge, but he basically leads the world in athletic commissions, you know? And he talked to me, he goes, Matt, I agree 110% with you. TRT should be banned, should be allowed. And marijuana, they shouldn't be testing for such a low number. He said that to me. One week later, Michael Mersh, the lawyer of the UFC, called me and fired me. Wow. And that was that. So that had to be a surprise to you when that happened. The thing is, even though I always have a smile on my face and I seem like a super nice and chill guy, which I am, I all I try to think very negative about most things all the time. I always think worst case scenario, just like when I talked about fighting. Worst thing that happens is I get knocked out or I get my arm broken or something like that. Just like – Every time I fought, I would tell my wife, like, even when I won, I'm like, they're going to fire me. And she's like, no, they won't. And she would always laugh. She would say, oh, they like you so much, this, that, and the other thing. And granted, they did. Like, we always chatted. We were always friendly. It's like, I don't think I've ever had a bad conversation with a UFC employee. And, you know, I was on a four-point win streak, and what happened, happened. You mentioned your wife. I know that she was doing some pro wrestling training for a while. Did she did she stop that? Yeah, you know, she she was doing the pro wrestling training for a while, but pro wrestling's one of those things kind of like mixed martial arts. Like if it's not like in your heart, it's really it's way too hard just to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not like a pickup game of basketball or something. Like to like Train mixed martial arts or train professional wrestling to get paid for to become a professional at it is extremely hard to do. Well, if the bumps don't get you, you the know, travel and will. And if the travel doesn't get you, then you know, the general schedule will. And, uh, you know, and I love my wife, but she's also the kind of lady that, you know, it's kind of hard to teach her sometimes in the sense like, I don't, you probably, you probably have dealt with it in a way like you're, you're telling your girlfriend or a woman or something like that. And you're like, Hey, maybe you want to do it like this. And they go, I know. Yes. But they don't know. I, if you, if you knew, I wouldn't have to tell you. Yeah. Oh, I try to, I used to teach my wife kickboxing and she looked good on the pads. But then when we would go live, I'd be like, Hey, you need to kind of change this up a little bit. Your footwork's a little off. I know. Well, you don't. So yeah, sure. But, um, yeah, if, I remember the first time I, I saw, I followed like a Facebook page that you all had of your fitness things. And I was like, geez, this family, like incredibly, you got to be incredibly disciplined. 
Yeah, well, she she works out like crazy. Like she does. She actually teaches CrossFit at a gym. She teaches gymnastics because she was a two-time All-American at LSU at gymnastics, and she does. She works out all the time. Like she's already she's gone now. Teaching gymnastics and teaching CrossFit. You know, I think and gymnastics me, I just, is an I awesome teach. base for. I think gymnastics is an awesome base for both MMA and pro wrestling. Like it, it really man, is. that. It really is, and that's why she decided to like try out pro wrestling. Well, like, there's a couple of variables with pro wrestling, and especially female pro wrestling. When you're, you know, as a guy, you can be like 30 years old and get into the WWE, possibly get yeah. into pro wrestling. You know, when you're a woman and you're 30 years old, it's unfortunate, but like it, it, one of the things they say at the WWE is, "Hey." If you want to work as a diva or female superstar there, the first question they ask you usually is, do you think you could post for Playboy tomorrow? And if you can Dang. answer yes, then you could probably work for the WWE. If you don't answer yes like that, you probably can't, you know? And I love my wife. She's great looking, but she's 31 years old. And, <laughs> you know, like I, I would look at her in Playboy. And, you know, <laughs> well, Playboy doesn't do – Playboy doesn't do nude shoots anymore. Well, I guess it would be, yeah. be a different magazine. Yeah. I think they got rid of it. Uh, don't know why, but they, but they did. So this this Evolve relationship has been a, a very successful one. I mean, the buzz off of Evolve and off of your work in Evolve has just been – it's been unavoidable, at least in the circles that I run. What has that experience been like for you? Honestly, I, I – I can't be happier with the decision I made to work with Gabe and work with Evolve. Uh, you know, it, it's one thing to work with and wrestle great wrestlers, but Gabe really had an eye for it, and he really he put me on a great path. Like you said, you've heard nothing but great things and heard about, like, my transition just getting better and better and better and better. And I would say that had something to do with Gabe. Of course, I'm putting the work in as well, working hard as well. But he kind of helped guide it. Like, when I first started, the matches were short, you know, very short. It started to get a little longer. And then I started telling a little more of a story. And now I'm more part of the roster, part of one of the boys, part of the thing. When I first started, I was kind of more of, like, a test. Like, are we going to keep them for, like, a month? Are we going to keep them for a week? Like, how long are we going to use them, you know? And I, I was a test. I think he used me as a test. That's why I got such short times at the beginning. But I passed the test with flying colors. And I think he booked me against Ricochet against Anthony Nice this Saturday. Yeah, I saw that. So I saw that, too. And I was like, well, I, that's, I didn't know that was happening until today. <laughs> so that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. So I'm stoked about yeah, that. Yeah, I scheduled, like, I, I was, you know, we're going to post, obviously, the information about the cards. And we were going to post it Friday and the card now is outdated. I got to go in and change it. And I was like, Ooh, I wonder what he thinks about that. So Ricochet is added to this match with Tony Nese. What are, what are your thoughts on that? That's kind of like something big to have dropped on you because one of the, one of the top talents in the world is Ricochet. Yeah, honestly, I'm stoked. You know, I, I actually, we hung out this past weekend at PWG and you know, I was like, I'm a big fan of your work, you know, because his style is so different than mine. And he's the same way back to me. He goes, man, like, 
watching me wrestle. I'm like watching him wrestle and then watching myself wrestle. I don't know how he could like watching me wrestle when I watch him wrestle <laughs> because of the stuff he does. But honestly, in my head, I personally love these kind of matches the way they style up for me because I got two high flyers in the ring that are going to do all their high flying stuff. And then all I had to do is kind of like run in there, hit a stiff strike, a hard strike, a big suplex, a, just a nasty move on somebody. And I'll get just the same reaction without like having to fly over a top rope. How much offense have you actually picked up from pro wrestling training? Because I think a lot of people, especially from catch as catch can wrestling, a lot of that stuff. That's how I personally learned in the few matches that I've done. That's where almost all my offense came from. Did you retain a lot of that from MMA and just have to refine it? Or were you basically taught a lot of this offense? When I first started doing pro wrestling, I wanted to do all MMA striking. But talking to trainers and stuff, they're like, hey, MMA is a little too quick, a little too hidden because, you know, you're kind of hiding your strikes. While pro wrestling, even if somebody hard or fast, you got to let the whole crowd see it let them register it. So for me, that was a big thing. So I learned all the pro wrestling strikes, the European uppercuts, the forearms, the chops, all that stuff. But at the same time, though, my mind to translate my, like, Muay Thai strike, my boxing, my uh, MMA-style strike, my knees into a pro wrestling style. So basically all I did was maybe add a jump before, maybe a little pump fake, maybe a little this or that, just so the crowd can see it and feel it more rather than it just being a quick strike and nobody knows what happened. I remember when I interviewed you in February of 2014 before that Titan fight, and we talked pro wrestling. At the time, you told me if you came into pro wrestling, you didn't necessarily want to do the MMA gimmick. At what point did that change? You know, when I first started doing pro wrestling and I was training – and I can, I can do all the moves for the most part. I can do the springboards to the outside. I can do the backflips. I can do the shooting stars. I can do the swantons and the one-and-a-halves and the 630s. I can do all the flips and the crazy stuff. But, you know, Danny Cage, one of the guys at the Monster Factory, who goes, hey, it's awesome that you can do all that stuff. But it's like – but – the thing is, there's somebody out there that can do a 630 better than you, you know, a double front flip better. There's somebody else that can do a shooting star better than you. There's somebody else that can do a Huracan Rana better than you. And the reason being is because these people have been doing Huracan Ranas and all these moves for years, and all they wanted to do were these moves for years. So that's why I put it in my head. Well, if I want to catch up to these guys, which I did, and because of my background, you know, I was like, I should probably use the mixed martial arts. And especially when I first got into pro wrestling, seeing like Brock Lesnar and seeing even guys like Kyle O'Reilly, who I just wrestled, mixed martial arts, and people are loving it. And I was, you know, watching that, I was like, I'm pretty sure I can do it. He's doing and make it even more believable and even more better, you know, even better. And I think that's what I did, and that's what I'm doing. And I think every time I go out there, I'm getting better and better at the pro wrestling aspect of it and translating my mixed martial arts into it. How in the shit do you wrestle without shoes? Barefoot. It's indie shows. Indie shows. It's either really hot or really cold at those venues. Generally, you, like you don't get any pain, any anything. 
No, I, I usually I stretch out the ankles and the feet. I usually wear flip-flops the whole time. And then usually like five, ten minutes before a match, I'm like hopping up and down, like shuffling, warming up. So then like I'm good to go. And I've been – I think a lot of people forget like like I've been doing MMA and jiu-jitsu for almost like ten years. And I just wrestled bare – you know, I was doing jiu-jitsu barefoot, kickboxing barefoot, everything just barefoot. So – but yeah, I like I noticed that. And yeah. is there ever any any uh, do you ever see yourself maybe moving to boots, shoes, anything of that nature? I, I do. I feel like if say I worked for maybe a bigger company and they asked me to wear shoes, I you know, I possibly might. Or depending on the style of matches I might be working, I might depend on what you know, I might wear shoes. Like if I'm wrestling hardcore matches, which I rarely do. But if I were to wrestle like a hardcore match where we're going out on the outside the whole match and doing that, then I'll probably wear I'll probably wear street clothes. I probably won't even wear shorts. I'll probably just wear jeans, a t-shirt, and my shoes. You know? But like if, if I'm in a wrestling match, I'm probably just gonna wrestle barefoot because I feel most comfortable with it. And it just I feel like it's it, it it adds that element of rawness to it. Like when I kick somebody in the face with my <laughs> little different than when somebody kicks him in the head with a kick pad you know it's yeah absolutely to, it's, it's bone to flesh rather than like a pad to a head now you got to wrestle for pwg last weekend battle of los angeles like any other it's it's really a special type of thing are you going to work with pwg more in the future and and how was uh battle of los angeles for you uh, and, you know, they, they said, please come back. They were chanting it after my match, so I'm really hoping I get another chance out there. I had a great time in the five-on-five match with uh, Jushin Liger and Sammy Callahan, Tommaso, and Brian Kendrick. Like, it, it, it was the, – the experience alone at PWG was amazing. The fans were amazing. You know, uh, I, it's it, – you know, it's all said and done. You know, my – the bola tournament but it's like an experience it's something i'll probably will never forget now we have quite a big fight coming up on saturday of course you have what is it uh, absolute intense wrestling friday you've got two evolve shows this weekend we also have this ufc 203 show cm punk has taken what i would like to call the reverse matt riddle path he had a full pro wrestling career and is now debuting in mma with the UFC. What do you think of, of somebody doing that? Now you didn't have a lot of fights before you got into the UFC, but you also had a, an amateur wrestling background. What were your feelings when he decided to make that move? You know, I, I respect him for the move. It's something you could tell he's wanted to do for a long time. I, I respect that move. Uh, I don't think it was the smartest move. Professional wrestling takes its toll on anybody's body. And the thing is, it'd be one thing if you wrestled kind of like me. Like me, I do more of an MMA-style wrestling, and I keep it in the ring. Watch watched yeah. Punk's highlight videos from his indie work to his WWE work. The dude's going through a lot of tables, taking a lot of punishment damage on the outside of the ring on metal. And... Put his time and he put some real serious work in, you know. Uh, to me, I think it would be easier to go from MMA 
to pro wrestling just because MMA is just so grinding and mean and so hard on your body in that sense. And then pro wrestling is hard on your body, but at least you can maintain, you can work around injuries and stay healthy. So to do it backwards is really hard. And I know Brock did it backwards too, but Brock was also an All-American and NCAA champion and he's a heavyweight fighter. And you know, heavyweight MMA, nothing against it. But if you're Lesnar and you fight heavyweight, you're probably going to win nine out of your 10 fights. Sure. Because of because of your athleticism. Yeah, the, the athleticism is, is a weird, different level. And as we say, I, I talked to Showdown Joe on our Wednesday show. It's also a coin flip a lot of times with, with heavyweights because of the size of the gloves, the size of the fighters, things of that nature. How much UFC, MMA do you follow these days, or do you? I, I rarely follow the UFC. Like this, I mean, I'm following this weekend's fight because I'm going to be in Cleveland, Ohio, Friday. And, you know, that's probably the reason I'm being brought into Cleveland, Ohio, is because the fights are Saturday. They might as well have a former UFC fighter, pro wrestlers, you know, because Shayna Baszler is going to be there as well. And Dan Severn. A whole bunch. Oh, that's of, awesome. Yeah, a whole bunch of MMA people at a show. should be fun at AIW. And how much do you ever do you follow WWE, TNA, anything of that nature? I, when I first when I was getting into pro wrestling, I was, and when I was in the UFC, I was following WWE because I watched it. But training it kind of opened up my eyes to that you know that underground world of pro wrestling, that indie world, that PWG. Like I had no idea that stuff existed up until about two years ago. And when I saw it, I I knew I needed to be a part of it. You know, it, it was the second I saw it, I was like, I need to get there. I know if I get there, I'll be happy. It's like, I need to get there. And I, I don't know how I did it, but I got there, you know. But, speaking yeah, I mean, of getting, I, I, I watch it from time to time. So, Speaking of getting there, uh, TJ Perkins, the guy who you're uh, slated to face on Sunday, it looks like he's there. He's a part of the Cruiserweight Classic. He's been promoted as a part of this cruiserweight division on raw like uh, i mean you're working guys ricochet who is in lucha underground new japan tony niece i think he was in the cruiserweight classic you're working these guys who have this type of experience what is that like and what does that say for you to be or say to you that you are doing that like under a year and a half in it's good, you know, but I have to compliment Gabe. You know, he kind of put me in a situation and gave me a chance to shine. And I know, like, these guys love working with me. I love working with them because, like you said, their experience is through the roof. I'm probably, I am the greenest guy in the locker room at Evolve, you know. I'm, I'm, the greenest, I'm the greenest guy at PWG, you know. But they all respect me. They all know what I've done, and they all see – they've all seen me grow in front of them. It's only been a short amount of time since they've seen the first match of mine. And then they wrestle me, you know, co-main events and we're getting the crowd going bananas, you know? So I, to me, it's awesome that I was given the opportunity. I get to work with such great people because they're bringing me up to their speed that much quicker. And it helps me out for them. I, I think it helps them out in a way though, too, just because of, picking it up what a rookie i am and the buzz around my name i think that also helps anybody that wrestles me as well 
one of my bosses, James Vanderlinden, his buddy Crazy Kelvin says that Billy Idol talked about in an interview that British people will spit on you if they like you. I think that's more of like a punk metal thing. Yeah. Not not a sporting event thing. <laughs> Man, little did you know that you were adored. I I'm pretty sure are we allowed, we're allowed to swear on this podcast, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, it's the internet. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure the guy that called me a cocksucker and spit in my face, <laughs> I'm positive. He looked so angry when he spit in my face. Listen, maybe we need to track down the source because maybe that was a term of endearment too. But what if like at PWG or these indie shows, they didn't hit you with streamers? They just all spit on you while you're in the ring posing. What's that? What if you were at an indie show, and instead of the streamers, they hit you with a, just a big bunch of spit from the audience? I would, I would probably just walk out. I'd probably walk out of the <laughs> ring, and I'd, I'd be done. And oh, man. I'd demand my pay, so, and I'd walk out. <laughs> so you have, a, you have a big weekend. I mean, a big weekend. You're booked Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Where are the Evolve shows at? Uh, tomorrow's Cleveland, Ohio. Evolve is Deer Park, New York. At the the first night at uh I forget it's at a wrestling school wrestling gym uh Pull campus, right it's like N, it's like NYWC the, the Sportatorium yeah that one and then the next night it's at in Queens New York at Laboom I believe nice so you have you have a full plate needless to say that's why. I try my best to schedule these shows on Thursdays because I know you're traveling on Fridays and things of that nature. What has the travel been like for you thus far uh, with pro wrestling? It's been it's been good, you know. Uh, most of the time, they uh, they pay for my travel, they pay for my flights, or I'll road trip with other people. There's been times where I've had car trouble, like. I've been in two accidents since I've been wrestling indies, but one was like a freak snowstorm, and the other one, somebody like, it wasn't really my fault, you know, <laughs> either time. But, uh, you know, but uh, other than that, like, the travel's pretty good. I have been hit up with some date or some venues that are like, the drive, I agreed to it, and the drive was a lot more than I bargained for. And, I, you know, I'm not happy, you know, when it's, like, Saturday or Sunday, and I've already wrestled once or twice, and I got to drive, like, another 14 hours, you know. But Ooh. at the same time, you get to work in like, – the best thing about pro wrestling is I get to work in front of a different crowd usually three times a week, every week. And I think that's what's helping me to build my name up as quick as I am. I get to perform in front of a live crowd – a different one usually every month, a couple. So my name is just going to keep going out there more and more and more. And before we go, we'll talk about you in Japan, but I want to remind people, go to Fightful.com, the best in MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. We've got several new hires. Matt is one of them. Like I said, we aggressively pursued Matt. We, we thought he was a perfect fit to compliment uh, the likes of Vince Russo, Showdown Joe, great personalities in the world of MMA and pro wrestling. Go there and register. You get exclusive access to a lot of podcasts, to uh, backstage news. We got a lot of exclusives uh, from CM Punk this week uh, leading up to his fight. Daniel Cormier, uh, the exclusive interview with Chael Sonnen, lots of cool stuff there. I was told, Matt, that you have a new goal that maybe Japan is in your future if things go well. 
Yeah, you know, well, this year I, I made some goals for my year of 2016, and my goals of 2016 were to wrestle internationally, which I will. I've already wrestled in Canada, and I'll be wrestling in Canada again at the end of this month, and I'm going over to England in December. But, you know, and another goal of 2016 was to wrestle for PWG. I obtained, I've obtained a lot of my goals of 2016. The, the two goals for 2017 right now, I want to wrestle in Japan, either Dragon Gate, New Japan, just somewhere in Japan. I, just, I want to touch their soil and a wrestling ring on their soil. I'll be happy once I do that. And then I want to win the Evolve title. If I don't get it by the end of this year, I want to win that belt by next year because I know if I win that belt, I'll get a job somewhere, making a lot of money. So sure, that's how I look at it. Of course. Or they'll, guy... or they'll pay me more at Evolve, either or. <laughs> And uh, I can think of far worse places to be in pro wrestling than Evolve at this point. That, that, that's the one thing. I really like my situation. Like, a lot of people, like, ask me, like, do you want to go to WWE? Do you want to go to, like, TNA or Lucha Underground? And it's not that I don't want to go to any of them. I would love – honestly, I would love to go to every single one of them. And I would like to wrestle for Evolve and and motion under the sun. If that was up to me, I don't want to just be at one place. I want to be everywhere. And that's have any the- have any of those promotions contacted you? A TNA, a Lucha Underground, a New Japan. The New Japan. Somebody contacted me from New Japan when I first started training professional wrestling, like before I even had a full week under my belt. But it was you know public knowledge that I was an MMA fighter from the UFC, now training sure. professional wrestling. Somebody hit me up and they asked me to they asked me to do an event and they wanted me to tag with Phil Baroni. This was a while ago and I think and I, I declined. I said honestly, guys, I'm I don't want to embarrass you or myself. Like I don't think I'm up to par to wrestle on that stage yet. You know, I never heard anything back. I saw Phil Baroni went over there. He tagged with somebody and I heard the match was. I, I, no comment, no comment. The match is whatever. But it's some people. Some people get I it from MMA, and some people don't. What's that? Some of the guys that make that transition, they get it, and other ones don't. And a lot of people, they think like I remember a lot of people thought that Rampage Jackson would be a natural, and he just wasn't. He wasn't a natural. Uh, and you know, I didn't hear a lot of people saying Matt Riddle's going to light the world on fire in pro wrestling, but then you did. So you just never know. You know, I think the big thing is, like, guys, like, because Rampage got into it, King Mo got into it, but I think there's a problem right there. I think wrestling, I'm not saying if you are, you can't, but I think if you're kind of, like, a tough bully type, and I don't mean that in a mean way to Rampage or King Mo, I think if you're more of, like, a tougher and you were always more of, like, the bully it's kind of hard to be a pro wrestler because as a pro wrestler, you got to put yourself in a vulnerable spot. You got to be the underdog fighting back. Even if you're the bad guy, sometimes you got to be like, please don't hit me as a bad guy. And you still got to be underneath somebody, not down and out, but still in the fight, but underneath. And I think that's something people like rampage, you know, just don't get because they've never been in that situation growing up. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Does that make uh, sense? You kind of like a Daniel. Oh, Bryan. definitely. You can tell Daniel Bryan's probably been picked on on the playground. Oh, sure. That's why he's got that heart come from behind, 
and you can see it in his eyes. He's been there before, and he's not going to let you do it again. And I, I'll tell you that I have that too, you know, and I don't think everybody has that. Before we go, are there any guys that you would point to or girls in pro wrestling or MMA that you think would, would fit, maybe not at the top levels of either, but would, would, do, would make that crossover uh, maybe a little more seamlessly than others? Hmm. For pro wrestlers crossing over to MMA, really impossible to tell. You know, because some people pro wrestle like animals and then fight like babies, you know. So it's sure. it's really hard to see what kind of animal you'll really get out of it. Fighters transfer not, not not to get you any heat not to get you any heat with Triple H, but man, I saw that guy hit pads and it was bad. Yeah, he shouldn't fight. He shouldn't fight. <laughs> Definitely. He he should probably just give me a job and not fight me. <laughs> no, I'm but but yeah, you know, and and that's the thing, like it looks like he could kill you, but mm-hmm. his hand speed probably isn't up to par and his head movement's not there. And he's been hit a bunch of times with a steel chair, so his chin's probably gone too. Well, it's a big-ass head, too. But uh, MMA crossing over, I think the big thing you got to look for there is, you know, they already have the athletic ability to do stuff, but you got to see if they have charisma. And like I said, most fighters don't have charisma. But when you see fighters that do, like a Conor McGregor or even a John Jones, you know, those those guys have the charisma, but I don't think they have the body type per se. Yeah. People too gangly, Conor just way too small. Yeah. I think that a John Jones gimmick in pro wrestling, an undercover dickhead, would just be fantastic. Like, one of those. Oh, yeah. guys. Guys, Matt will be joining us each Thursday, uh, basically at his convenience on the time because, as, as I mentioned, he travels, trains quite a bit. Uh, we'll be talking pro wrestling, MMA, his career, other people's careers. If he's not caught up on something, you'll get to watch me explain that to him. That should be plenty entertaining. But, uh, Matt, anything you want to let the people know before we go? Uh, no, man. Just, you know, check it out. I'm wrestling AIW tomorrow in Cleveland, Ohio, and – evolve over the weekend so check it out on wwnlive.com or <laughs> matt absolutely thrilled to have you on board at fightful.com this was a hire that we definitely wanted and uh if our audience has any indication they seem to really enjoy it so thank you and best of luck this weekend my friend thank you man can't wait to do it again next week guys until next time tomorrow afternoon vince russo and myself Until then, we are out.